ladies and gentlemen, sit back and get comfortable. But not too comfortable. It's the WCHL Podcast with WCHL Commissioner Christopher Perry and Andrew Majorkirk. Well, yes, indeedy duty. It is the WCHL podcast. I am the commissioner, Christopher Perry. We don't have Andrew with us for this edition of the WCHL podcast, and I guess that's a blessing because, um, you know, he doesn't bring much to the podcast anyways. Uh, but instead, we have a great, uh, we, we have a, a much better alternative. We have somebody who knows what they're talking about. All the way from uh, Tempe, Arizona, it's the play-by-play announcer for uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils. He's been on the podcast before. We welcome back Mr. Niall Cooper. Niall, thanks for being on the WCHL podcast once again. You are very welcome, Krista. Thank you for that uh, rousing intro. The uh, putting me in the room. That's i but I will take it nonetheless. <laughs> All right, here, I'm going to... Well, I thought we had it fixed out of the gate with the FaceTime audio, but I suppose not. Yeah, I guess not. That's all right. Hey, we got it figured out. So I was just saying that uh, you went a little Mr. Roboto on us, so uh, we, we established a better connection there. So, Niall, again, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. Uh, thanks for putting up with me and uh, my cheesy little podcast here. So um, uh, tell me, before we get going and talking all about your predictions for nationals, and you know who you think is going to win it all, who you think is going to, if there's going to be any upsets, that sort of thing. Kind of, if you would, just expound a little bit on your how you saw the ASU season go, and um, maybe even you know whether it's the ACHA in general or the WCHL. But uh, what's Niall Cooper's thoughts now that the 2021-2022 season, at least from the ASU perspective, is in the books? For sure. I think uh, I'll start with ASU just because that's, you know, my pride and joy here. We can look at the standings at the end of the season and Arizona State finished with that 14 and 14 record. And, you know, most of the time you see a team finish 500 at the end of the season, you're probably thinking, well, you know, I guess they're pretty average throughout the year. And I think for Arizona State, they really had quite an up and down year. Uh, The start of the season, they had some tough opponents that really played I think the cream of the crop in terms of the WCHL and the, you know, going into the end of 2021, they were on a little bit of a skid, just couldn't quite find their game. Um, You know how it is, you know, some guys zigs, the other guys zags. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're not really sure what's missing, but they had something missing the first half of the year. And then, you know, all it took was the flip of the calendar. All of a sudden the team kind of came together in 2022 they finished the season on a 9-2 stretch. They beat some of the best teams in all of the ACHA in the last month of the season and unfortunately just missed out on Nationals. Yeah, finished 21 and uh, in the final rankings, or at least in the next to final rankings, but the ones that matter in order to go to Nationals. And yeah, they had uh, a heck of a... Uh, a heck of a, a second semester, if you will, after they made the a coaching change during the semester break, went from uh, Tate Green and 
promoted Austin Klein to the head coach for the rest of the semester, and the guys seem to respond. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes it takes, I guess, a little bit of a change to get the guys going. Um, I certainly think all the head coaches that were in that room and the assistant coaches throughout the year were all cream of the crop. They were top-notch. I got to know them pretty well, and I think that they really had the team coached well. I'm not sure what it took to really get the get Arizona State going in the second half of the season, but they clearly did respond to that change you mentioned, and um, they – Stepped it up late. It was a little bit of too little too late, but it was really promising to see the way they played down the stretch run because that was, I thought, more of what we assumed going into the season with Arizona State. We looked at them in the WCHL, and you see your UCOs, your UNLVs, your U of A's, your Arizona States, and we looked at all those teams back in, gosh, what was it, September October of last year and thought, man, these teams are going to be neck and neck battling each other every weekend. And yeah, it didn't turn out like that, at least from the ASU perspective, until the uh, second semester. But boy, they they did well. I think they won all their games, but for two, and uh, that was a heck of an accomplishment. Swept U of A down in uh, down in Tucson there at the end. Now, granted, both games were in either overtime or a shootout, but uh, ASU went off the ice uh, victorious both times, so that counts as a win, I guess. Maybe not in the eyes of the computer, but in the eyes of uh, the hearts and the eyes of those who are actually in the building. So kind of wild, kind of wild. All right. Well, very good. Well, Niall, um, and from your perspective, I mean, uh, ASU, you think, um, you think it's, uh, the, the momentum is there. It's going to carry over to next year. Or do you think it's, uh, well, I, I guess I'm asking you for a little inside baseball there on ASU. Do you think we're, uh, the coaching staff is going to stick around or do you think, uh, we're going to have another full on change here over the semester, over the summer? Well, I for as far as my inside baseball goes, I'll give you uh, I'll give you what I know, and I know that ASU lost uh, a good amount of seniors. They lost some depth guys on their forward groups. They lost their leader on the back end in Zachary Kowalchuk. So I think there's going to be some holes to fill. Luckily for Arizona State, most of their high end skilled players will be returning next season. So that's good that they don't have to replace those kind of guys. They're going to have to find more of the character guys, you know, the gritty guys, someone that's going to be good in the locker room to come in and kind of fill that void. They've got a few young guys on the back end that showed a lot of promise. They've got a couple goaltenders that looked pretty good down the stretch. So they have most of the pieces there in terms of, you know, the guys on the ice, the product on the ice that's going to be able to perform for them next year. There is a little bit of question mark right now where they're going to be playing because, our your favorite rink and my favorite rink, Oceanside Ice Arena, is, uh, looks like it's going to be no more. I believe they're decommissioning it after the season, so they're going to have to find somewhere new to play. So that may be the biggest question mark of all going into next season. But luckily, we won't be freezing to death every time we do a game from now on, hopefully. <laughs> I like how you say that. Decommissioned, like it's an old war shor- warship. It's an old <laughs> battleship. We're going to decommission the ocean. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah, it's my understanding uh, Oceanside's going to stick around at least until March of uh, 2023. So, um, yeah, maybe next year it'll be a little bit easier um, in terms of scheduling home games uh, because we'll have two options available, whether it's the multipurpose arena that's being built. Didn't they give that a name recently, or or are we still waiting on naming rights? 
Uh, I believe we're still waiting on naming rights. I don't hold me to that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I know. Um, I know they gave a name to something down there recently, like the Mountain Standard Isoplex or something like that. But maybe that's the maybe that's the practice facility. Um, and then the uh, I know that um, uh, I think the the big issue for for us with Arizona State will be what happens after Oceanside officially goes away in March of 2023 because. Yeah, then can we get into that new multi-purpose facility that's on campus? Uh, you know, we've got the Coyotes that are – ASU NCAA hockey is going to be there. Uh, apparently the NHL Coyotes think they're going to be in there. Um, Arizona State Gymnastics, Arizona State Wrestling, and some other events, whether it's uh, concerts or other community events might be in there. So it could be could be tough uh, from a scheduling perspective to find some uh, uh, dates that'll work, but uh, hey, we'll 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 figure that out. We'll we won't duck until we're shot at. We'll we'll figure that out a little bit later. So, alrighty. Well, interesting. In the meantime, we can uh, we can still look forward to freezing our tails off at Oceanside for at least another season. So that right, should I'll be. Make sure I bring my uh, heavy coat. Yeah, that and some some of those hand warmers that you slip into your socks and everywhere else. Boy. All right, Niall, hey, we got Nationals coming up, and uh, 20 teams are heading off to St. Louis. And I know that you're Arizona State-centric, but you've seen a lot of these teams, uh, some in person, most a couple in person, a lot in person. Uh, but then you're also, you kind of keep your, uh, I, I know that you pay attention to what's going on around the uh, conference and around the uh, ACHA, at least men's Division One. So I figured let's get Niall on the horn here and see what he thinks what's going to happen in St. Louis. Does that sound like uh, something you're interested in? That sounds awesome. Let's get into it. Let's do it. On Thursday, we have the play-in games, if you will. The first game of the day on Thursday is going to be Pitt, the regular season champion from the College Hockey Mid-America Conference out of Pittsburgh. They're taking on the winner of the Philadelphia-based conference, ECHA, East Coast Hockey Association, I think it's called. Uh, the Navy, so number 13 pit against number 20 Navy. So who do you think, Panthers versus midshipmen there, Niall? Well, I think it's easy to look at the rankings at 13 versus 20 and kind of make your assumption on Navy being the last team in. And I am going to make just that assumption. I don't think Navy quite lives up to the, the standard of some of the other teams in here. And I think Pitt has a, a pretty solid program. I would highly expect them to have a good debut into the playing round of the tournament and really kick off the, the Nationals on a high note and see if they can move their way through. And uh, they would most likely have to really get their game going because if they win that game, the next game is going to be pretty tough. Yeah, well, that, that's, the, that's the bad part about playing on Thursday, right, is because congratulations, you win. Um, and congratulations, you also get to be the sacrificial lamb the next day, uh, two seeds, one through four. So Pitt, Pitt's, a, Pitt's got a, you know, Stu Rolnick is their coach, and he's got a, uh, uh, he's done a really good job. They've gone to Nationals the past couple of years, and they're a tough out. They, you, you think you're going to, you know, they play in that terrible Pittsburgh league, but and you think that they're going to, uh, uh, you know, just lay down and, you know, roll over, and they don't. They they make you work for it, so uh Pitt, I think I, I agree with you. Pitt comes in with a uh, D one record of twenty six four and one. Navy, on the other hand, has a D one record of ten eight and five. 
I think that experience is just going to uh, be overwhelming for the midshipmen. So thank you for thank you for playing Navy, and uh, you get to go home early. So. <laughs> All right, the next game on Thursday will be number 14, Maryville, uh, right there in St. Louis. They're going to play number 19, John Carroll. Number 19, John Carroll won the CHMA conference playoff, and they won the auto bid. They beat Pitt 3-1. to one. So we got Maryville, the uh, champion of MCH, Midwest College Hockey. That's the B conference that I oversee. And versus John Carroll, who do you see, the Saints or the Golden Flashes or whatever they are? The golden streaks. I don't know what they are. Well, we'll see if they can get on a golden streak here in Nationals. But as far as that one game goes, I think that's going to be a really tough competition. I mean, you mentioned John Carroll besting the likes of Pitt. Uh, meanwhile, you look at Maryville. They had a good season at 19-7. and seven. They played some pretty tough opponents along the way, too. And I think could have been ranked a little bit higher. The computer, you know, seems to have a mind of its own with the rankings, so I can't completely understand them sometimes. But I think <laughs> ultimately John Carroll and Maryville get pretty close here. I wouldn't be surprised if that game goes up down to the wire and we get a, you know, low scoring, gritty, late third period winning goal. I would have to lean towards Maryville, but it would not surprise me if John Carroll slipped their way into the next round. Ooh, a possibility of an upset, you're saying. Possibility. But you, you're going to say it's just going to be a tight game and late, and Maryville wins it late. That's that's what I'm thinking, but, you know, it's, it's hockey, so you never you never know at the end of the day. That's the, And it's nationals, right? Everybody's got to bring it. That's the beauty of this one-and-done tournament is – there's no 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 time for uh you know waiting until tomorrow to for the gears to kick in. You better come in ready or else it's going to be ugly. And uh exactly. Yeah, one and done. All right. So Maryville over John Carroll, the next game of the day is going to pit uh, Ohio, uh the number 15 seed. They're going to take on Niagara number 18. Niagara is the champion of the Northeast Collegiate Hockey League. Um, Ohio comes in with a record of 14, 13, and 5, so kind of even, but they play in that ultra-tough Central States Collegiate Hockey League. So who do you have there, the Bobcats or Niagara? Well, that's going to be another great matchup there, Chris. All these matchups, I keep saying they're great, and I think that's just the nature of the playing games, right? It's, you look at nationals, you look at pretty much any tournament, and those playing games are almost always some of the most fun ones to watch because you really don't know who's going to be coming out on top, but you know both teams are going to be bringing their A game out of the gate because they don't have a chance to wait like some of these schools like Minot State or Adrian, et cetera. They have to bring it right out of the gate, and I think Niagara and Ohio match up really well, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, That's such a tight matchup for me. Trying to pick between both of those, I will lean towards Niagara, Really? That will be upset. my first upset pick here of the uh, tournament prognostication round that we've got going. All right. I like it. I like it. Well, and in your favor, Niagara played Ohio earlier this season at, at Ohio, and they won both games. Uh, one was uh, in regulation, and one was in uh, overtime or a shootout or something. So Niagara has a history, and they seem to have Ohio's number so far. So you're, you're saying that that will continue this year. I like it. Well, the, the next game, now, Niall, I'm going to ask you to be objective here because it involves your arch rival, the number 16, the number 16 Arizona Wildcats. 
again taking on the number 17 Michigan Dearborn the Wolverines they come from the uh, Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference uh, so we have U of A ASU's our tribal against uh, Michigan Dearborn so uh, with your objective hat on not with your ASU hat on because I know you're going to pick whoever you know your favorite teams are Arizona State and whoever's playing U of A I get that uh, but what do you think? Knowing that this is the WCHL podcast, who do you have here? U of A versus UMD. Well, Chris, I'm glad you, you understand me. You know, that's the basis of any good relationship. So, you know, just appreciating that out of the gate. I think I'll put on my objective hat here and we'll look at Arizona, Michigan, Dearborn, Arizona finished the season with the higher ranking, but looking at the schedule, Michigan Dearborn had a much more successful season in terms of the wins and at least down the stretch, you know, I was watching very closely how University of Arizona finished the season. They kind of backed their way a little bit into nationals, especially that final weekend at home. They didn't really seem to have their A game against Arizona State. Uh, not to mention that I know their workhorse in net, Anthony Churro, for University of Arizona uh, missed that weekend with an injury that he's kind of been nagging along this year. So given the way that Arizona finished and the fact they have a couple of knocks that they're working through, I think I will go with Michigan Dearborn to knock off Arizona. And that is the most objective take, Chris. <laughs> I love it. Okay. All right. Well, hey, that's fair. You, you backed up your opinion. You just didn't say it's Arizona. I hate them, whoever they're playing. Um, so, uh, there were, there were some facts there, some reasoning, uh, some logic behind it. So I'm down with that. So two upsets in the opening day, you have Niagara taking out Ohio, you have Dearborn taking out Arizona and then Pittsburgh and Maryville will move on. Uh, so on the next day, Friday, that means that you have UNLV out of the Western Collegiate Hockey League taking on number 13 Pitt. Who do you think will take that game? Well, that should be a lot of fun. As we already established, Pitt is going to be a tough out for anybody in this tournament. And I think UNLV at number four is going to be kind of passed over by a lot of people that are looking at this from the East Coast that don't really get a chance to see some of the late games that we have here in the WCHL. And I think that's a real shame because UNLV truly is one of the programs that I think sports, you know, and represents what good hockey is about. And they are a very good program. And I think they're going to show up and they're going to play Pitt the way that you would expect UNLV to play Pitt with the kind of season that they had. And I see the Rebels skating out of there with a big-time win and starting the weekend, starting the tournament rather off right for them and yeah. moving on to the next round. Good for them, yeah. They'll get uh, Hopefully they'll get that big old uh, goaltender, six foot six Zach Wixon in that. And he'll shut everything down. And then they'll let all those high flyers just go nutty in the offensive zone and uh, take it to pit. All right. Well, very good. Well, the next game uh, will be the number three seed, Iowa State, out of the Central States Collegiate Hockey League. They're going to be taking on the number 14, Maryville Saints. So Maryville, Iowa State. And before you, before we go on here, uh, now let me tell you, Maryville and Iowa State already played twice this season. Um, Iowa State won both games. One of them was in regulation. The other one was in a shootout. I see you trying to throw a little a little curveball my way there. <laughs> well, I'm just I want you to be fully advised. Well, I do appreciate that. I think that 
Maryville is certainly going to earn their keep against Iowa State. Uh, unfortunately for Maryville, on the other end of the ice, they're going to have to find a way to contain number five, Stuart Pearson, who has already put up 43 points this season for Iowa State and is just a playmaker with the puck, already has 30 assists on the season. That's Wow. That may have he, – he puts up more assists than I think some teams have leading scorers that put up points. So Yeah, no kidding. That's certainly going to be the guy that Maryville is going to have to do their best to contain and keep from distributing the puck, although he has 13 goals on the season too. So, you, you know, he can do it at both ends. But nonetheless, I think Ohio's, Iowa State, that number three ranking with some potent offense behind them, is going to be able to beat Maryville. And as you mentioned, they have a little bit of a history earlier in the season. And I think with the stakes raised, Iowa State, you know, not too far removed from home and Missouri is going to be able to to get the win there. All right. So Cyclones over the Saints. Interesting, interesting. Well, the the next game then pits um, the former national champion, uh, the Minot State Beavers, the number two seed in this tournament. They would be taking on Niagara, the number 18 uh, seed who just beat Ohio the day before, according to Niall. So here you go, number two Beavers against the number eighteen Purple Eagles. Have you ever seen a Purple Eagle before? Um, I can't say I have. No, neither I, have I. Not I even on like Pokemon or some of these dumb cartoon shows. I've never seen a Purple Eagle. I'm wondering where that comes from. I, it must be a local legend or something. Must be, must be. All right. Well, here, here we go. Minot versus Niagara. What do you think? Well, I think Minot is, <laughs> I think my, Minot's number two for a good reason. Uh, unfortunately, Arizona State had to go to Chicago this season for the Chicago Classic and play Minot State. And we got a uh, up close view of what Minot State's all about. I've seen them in past years. They always seem to bring one of the best teams in the ACHA out on the ice. And I think this year is certainly no different. And I would feel almost a fool to pick them to lose their first game of the tournament. So I think the Beavers are certainly going to move on there. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think Minot's one of the one of the very special teams in this tournament. And uh, yeah, it'd be hey, it'd be a hell of a shock if Niagara were to pull it off. But uh, I just can't see it. At least not in the first day of uh, of the tournament. All right. Well, then the last game then on Friday will be the number one seed, the Lindenwood Lions, playing at home at the Centene Community Ice Center. Uh, they would be hosting number 17, Michigan-Dearborn. So, Lindenwood versus UMD. Well, Chris, let me ask you, a team that's playing at home in Nationals and undefeated on the season, would you say that's a, uh, a good favorite pick there? <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> they, they have, I, they I have some factors. So yeah, they have some yeah, factors in their favor. A, they got a few things going their way this season, and... Gosh, they they look like a good hockey team. That's for sure. I yeah. think that's uh, that's maybe the easiest pick of the week. <laughs> With no certainly no disrespect on the other side of the ice to Michigan Dearborn, but Lindenwood looks like uh, another animal right now, and I think they're going to show up on uh, home turf. There you go. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you. They they're going to be they're going to be tough to beat, especially at home. All right. So on Friday night, uh, Nile has chalk all the way. He's got one, two, three, and four winning, and all the teams that uh, played on Thursday are gone. So uh, that brings us to Saturday, where we have the five through twelve matchups. And the first game on Saturday morning will be the number five Liberty Flames taking on number twelve Illinois, the Fighting Illini. 
of the University of Illinois. Um, these two teams have already played once before in that same Chicago Classic that you mentioned ASU was at. Um, so what do you think there? Liberty versus Illinois, 5 through 12. 5 versus 12. Well, you know what? That's a that's going to be, I think, one of the most interesting matchups maybe of the tournament so far between Illinois and Liberty because Illinois is going to be coming into that matchup with some serious offense uh, on their behalf to go against Liberty. And Liberty's had a great season, and they've played a lot of good teams. And like you mentioned, they already have seen Illinois earlier in the year, but that certainly isn't going to take away the fact that Illinois has – two guys that have put up over 50 points, one guy that's put up 60 points. So they have some of the highest scores in all of the ACHA that they're going to be able to whip out on that first line. And meanwhile, Liberty, they did play in that Chicago Classic. They did not end up winning the Chicago Classic, but made it to the final nonetheless. So I think you have two programs here who really should match up pretty well and give that classic 5-12 matchup that we see that always seems to put out something pretty entertaining i would not be surprised if illinois won this in overtime Woo, illinois i would not be surprised at all in overtime and another upset niles bringing the upsets today i like it i like it well i won't like it if in the next game now because it's the number six seed from the western collegiate hockey league central oklahoma broncos taking on uh the champions of the wolverine hoosier athletic conference the whack uh, number 11, Indiana Tech. So, UCO versus I-Tech. I hope you don't have an upset there. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm not saying that just because I'm in Oklahoma. I'm saying that as the commissioner of the Western Collegiate Hockey League. You've already gone against me once. So. I certainly have. So. Yeah. I, I will have to be a little mindful there if I want another appearance on this amazing <laughs> no, podcast. No. I'm, just, I'm just saying support your answer. That's all. Show your work, would you? <laughs> Well, I think all you got to do is look at the top 25 rankings and all of the D1 ACHA, and no team has more wins this season than Central Oklahoma. And they have played a lot of good teams this season. They've played a lot of good hockey. And they have shown weekend in and weekend out that they are not only the cream of the crop in the WCHL, clearly, but also in terms of the rest of the ACHA. And I think they're going to come out and they're going to show what a uh, Bronco hockey is all about. Yeah. Look at you. I like it. All right. There we go. So, so far you're, uh, you're, you're two and one with, uh, in favor of Western collegiate league team. So I'm, I'm liking this more and more now. <laughs> uh, the next game will also involve a WCHL team. So tread lightly. It's uh, and it's a matchup from uh, nationals a couple of years ago. It involves the defending national champions, the number seven, Adrian Bulldogs, they're taking on the Missouri State Ice Bears, ranked uh, number 10. They're the number 10 seed in this tournament. They played two, three years ago in Frisco. It was a one to nothing game. Went down to like the last three minutes, I think, of the third period before Adrian finally solved the uh, Missouri State goaltending. Uh, and so these two teams have a little bit of a history. So what do you think here? Adrian, the defending national champs against the, uh, the fourth team from the WCHL in the tournament. Well, Chris, my friend, I would like to tread lightly here. <laughs> However, Adrian, I think, is a team that Missouri State, they might have seen them a few years ago, but I think this year's iteration of Adrian College is 
as capable uh, as any team has probably been in the last few years in the ACHA of repeating their title defense, you know, despite the fact that they're only the number seven seed in this tournament right now. Yeah. Okay. I think they had a great season. And if you look at the top scores in the ACHA, they have four offensive players in the top 40 of point producers in all of the ACHA. Wow. Adrian college does. And while Missouri state had a good season, 19, 10 and three, they played really well. They're representing the WCHL very well. I do believe that Missouri state is going to get all they can handle and a little more when they play Adrian, who's coming in here with that 22 and four record. And I think Adrian is going to have quite the title defense ready this season. So unfortunately for the both of us, I think Adrian is going to come out on top there. All right. You know, nobody really listens to this podcast now, but there's maybe like 12 folks and they're all up in Springfield, Missouri. So I think we just, (laughs) we we just lost a whole bunch of listeners. Yeah. They're going to petition to keep me off of here from now on. Just just when when Arizona state visits Missouri state in future years, uh, just don't go on the road that weekend. Uh, don't head out with them. They don't, I don't think you're, uh, the welcome wagon will be there in Springfield for you. So, all right. Hey, hey, the last game on Saturday will pit an eight, nine matchup. It's the Stony Brook Seawolves. I won't make fun of that mascot. Um, taking on the Jimmies of Jamestown. That's, that's a, that's a funny mascot, uh, matchup right there. Jimmies versus Seawolves. But, uh, Stony Brook comes in, uh, at the number eight seed in, in Jamestown is the only team in the Nationals field that has a seemingly losing record of 10 wins, 11 losses, and 5 ties. So, Jimmy's or Seawolves, Niall? Who do you think? Well, it doesn't really get much tighter than that in terms of rankings, Chris. However, you look at the record, and if you just match the two records you know, against each other on paper, you'd say, well, shoot, give me the team that's 21-6, and six, not the team that's 10-11, and 11, right? Yeah. But Jamestown, to their credit as an independent school, has played a lot of tough teams on their independent schedule this season as they and Minot State are about as familiar with each other as probably any two programs in the ACHA, in my opinion. And so I think while they don't have the best record, Jamestown certainly has seen some of the best hockey that probably anyone's seen all season. So they know what they're going to be up against coming into the tournament. Yeah. I think Stony Brook with that uh, immaculate Seawolves mascot, as you mentioned, I think that mascot might just give them that mental edge. You know, they say that the war is won before, you know, it even starts sometimes. So I think that <laughs> could be that little that little difference for Stony Brook. Yeah. Um, I, I will go with Stony Brook, although I think this game is going to be a lot closer than maybe some people think. Um, okay. But nonetheless, I think Stony Brook comes out on top. You know what my worst fear is, and this is um, this again just comes. It, it's not a from a fan perspective; it's from a pure administrator perspective. My worst fear is that those eight nine games or that sixteen seventeen game that's on Thursday night that they're so close that they go into overtime because it already gets started late at eight o'clock at night, and then holy smokes, we go into overtime. The last thing you want is like a three or a four overtime game. Uh, that's going, you know, eleven o'clock midnight. So let's yeah. uh, let's hope it's let's hope whoever wins the eight nine game there, Stony Brook or Jamestown, let's hope it's in regulation. So at least for my benefit. All right, so you got Stony Brook taking that one in a very tight, close game. You say yes. All right. Well, that means that the winners from Friday will take on the winners from Saturday. 
They'll play those games on Sunday. The first game on Sunday then would be UNLV taking on the University of Illinois, a number four matchup versus number 12. And I think, unfortunately, with the previous pick, uh, we got a a tough shot there because it could have been UNLV Liberty, which would have been a repeat of the Chicago Classic championship game and i think that would have been a lot of fun to watch yeah because that game was certainly a lot of fun to watch but i think illinois as i went over earlier i'm going to back it up i think they have what it takes to get to that round against unlv and i think that game should be pretty high scoring between unlv and illinois i would like to see a lot of offense i've seen unlv up close this season and they're they're a little bit of a interesting team when they play against it seems when they play against tough competition they really elevate their game and when they play against lower competition, sometimes they can fall into that habit of kind of playing down a little bit to the teams they're against. And I think once they see Illinois in those first five minutes of the game, they're going to realize, oh, boy, we need to step it up here. And I would expect a very fun, high-flying affair between those two. I do believe UNLV is the better team, and I think that they're going to represent the WCHL and win that game. There you go. All right. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Uh, the next game on Sunday, we'll see the number three seed, Iowa State, taking on uh, the number six seed, Central Oklahoma. These two teams have already met four times. Uh, Iowa State beat Central Oklahoma twice up in Iowa, and Central Oklahoma beat Iowa State twice down in Oklahoma. So this would be a fifth game through, uh, throughout the season. Who do you think, the Cyclones or the Broncos? Well, that should be one of the most uh, interesting matchups. The two teams that have put up the most wins this season in the top 25 of the ACHA will go at it with 26 wins and 28 wins, respectively. I think three versus six is always going to be a lot of fun. And Central Oklahoma and Iowa State, with the familiarity there, the, the similar play style, Central Oklahoma, we got to see him early in the season when Arizona State opened up their uh, home ice games. I believe Central Oklahoma was the first team we got to see, and they looked spectacular. Get, granted, they played a few games before Arizona State, so they kind of had their legs underneath them. Nonetheless, the Broncos really did look like a good program, and I think that they're going to get the best of Iowa State in that fifth head-to-head matchup of the season for the two programs there we go all right so so far we're two for two with western league teams into the uh winning the quarterfinals and making it to the semifinals the uh next quarterfinal game on sunday you have the number two seed minot state taking on number seven adrian this is a rematch nile of the past two national championship games down in frisco minot bested adrian and then last year, we you know we had a COVID year in between where we had no nationals, and then uh, last year at uh, in St. Louis at Maryville, uh, Adrian took care of Minot in the in a very uh, oh what's to say uh, spirited game uh, in the championship <laughs> game. These two teams do not like one another. So uh, number two versus number seven, Minot Adrian. It's maybe it's like the Matrix. It's like the trilogy. Uh, who do you think comes out? Well, they have quite the history, as you mentioned, and it's uh, it's almost a shame that we don't see them in the finals once again. But also, it's nice that you know we're going to we're guaranteed to see some new blood in there, which is always good for the game. Nonetheless, I think spirited will certainly be one of the words that's thrown around after these two teams play each other once again. And albeit 
uh, a higher ranking goes in favor of Minot State, I think Adrian, given the fact that they're coming off of their title defense, uh, given the fact that I think they're going to be playing some really hard hockey here, I would not I would not be surprised if they not beat the wheels off of Minot State, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won by two or three goals in a quote-unquote spirited affair. I think Adrian is going to get the best of Minot State. There you go, another upset. Look at you. So far, uh, only uh, the number four seed is held on to uh, held on, and you've had two upsets in the quarterfinals. Let's see if it carries over to the last game, which will pit number one Lindenwood taking on number eight Stony Brook. So, do we still have an upset there, or are you gonna just uh, go with the number one seed playing at home, having it easy? Well, Chris, it's uh, it's getting a little bit cloudy over here, and I think that's because of all the chalk that's in the air. <laughs> I'm definitely going with Lindenwood here, that they have just the best team on paper, top to bottom in the league. They're undefeated there at home. I think Stony Brook will certainly give them a test, but I, I would certainly put all of my money on Lindenwood. Luckily, I don't have a lot of money, so I wouldn't lose a lot, but nonetheless, <laughs> it's all going on Lindenwood. Yeah, we, we want to make sure that people also understand the, these these your picks. Please, no wagering, right? These are for entertainment yeah. purposes only. Uh, so don't run out to the sports book anytime soon, right? And uh, throw down the mortgage money on uh, any of these picks, right? Here, here, I agree. All right. Well, uh, we reseed, or we they 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 take the highest and the lowest uh, seeds. They'll play in the first semifinal game on Monday, and then the two middles they'll play in the last game on semifinal game on Monday night. So, with uh, your final four, where that means the first game on Monday will be number one Lindenwood taking on the defending national champion number seven Adrian. What do you think is going to happen there, Lindenwood versus Adrian? Well, this is a matchup of who has more pressure coming into this game. Because you look at Adrian, they're the defending national champions. In our super highly educated picks here, we have them just coming off of a huge win against Minot State. So they're going to be looking to defend. They're going to be emotionally let down a little bit after what will probably be the most exciting an engaging matchup so far the tournament between them and Minot State. And then you have Lindenwood coming in, who is trying to make sure that they keep their perfect record. They're trying to show up for all the home fans in attendance. They're trying to live up to that number one ranking. So I think both teams are coming in with a lot to lose and also a lot to gain, obviously, in a spot in the championship. So, you know, given the fact that we have these two high-ranking teams, two teams with some big offensive weapons i would actually expect this to be a pretty low scoring affair i think both teams would probably be trying to play maybe a little bit of a trap try to play smart hockey not create any turnovers or allow any sort of odd man rushes the other way and i think this game is certainly going to come down to which goaltender can really be on their a game from start to finish and i think ultimately i do believe that Adrian will be Lindenwood uh, and make it to their, wouldn't that be third consecutive championship game? Wow, look at that. That's You're coming with some big upsets there. Okay, so you're saying <laughs> number seven, Adrian, will get the chance to defend their national championship uh, by beating out, taking out the number one seed. All right, I like it. 
Well, I don't the, think Lindenwood or Missouri State are going to be uh, welcoming me anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, just just the state of Missouri, Nile. Just to avoid the state of Missouri. Would you, there's only 49 <laughs> states that that Nile's now welcome in. Uh, the 50th, apparently not. Hey, uh, now the next semifinal, you it's an all WCHL semifinal. Uh, you have number four UNLV taking on number six UCO. These two teams already played one another. Now, granted, the games were in Edmond, and UCO beat um, UNLV both times. So uh, this would be the third time they play. And uh, what do you think? Uh, a Western Collegiate League semifinal, UCO versus UNLV. Well, I think, firstly, in an ideal world, we love to see an all-Western Collegiate uh, Final Four. But it is nice that we at least get here uh, a little little matchup, a little 1v1 of some of the best teams in the WCHL. And I think you can look at UNLV and you have maybe a more, I don't know how to say it, but polished team possibly. They they have uh, maybe a slightly better record. They've played in a big tournament and already have a big tournament win on the season under their belt. They're coming in with, you know, that Vegas swagger that they're bringing out to Missouri. Meanwhile, you've got Central Oklahoma who they know how to win. They win a lot. They know how to perform on the national stage, as we all know. And I think Central Oklahoma has the edge over UNLV with that. Just I think they have that kind of grittiness, that extra gear that you need to win those tough games in, uh, in nationals in you know, the playoff kind of situation, atmosphere scenario. And I think Broncos pedigree and roster is going to be just enough to get them over the hump and beat the Rebels. Wow, look at you. Okay, so you have uh, UCO taking out uh, UNLV, which would leave a finals matchup, according to Nile, of number six, UCO, against number seven, Adrian. Uh, Two teams that have both won the national championships. UCO last won their national championship in Columbus, Ohio. I think that was in 2018, 2017, perhaps. And then Adrian, obviously, they won it last year at Maryville. And, in fact, they won uh, the the second Columbus Nationals. So uh, uh, two-time national champions, both, UCO versus Adrian. Who do you think, Bulldogs versus Broncos? Man, Bulldogs, Broncos, that's one of the better mascot matchups I think we've had so far in the, uh, the bracket here. Yeah, we can just uh, start uh, engraving the trophy right now with a B, and we can uh, get a head start there. So, uh, yeah, Bulldogs, Broncos, Adrian, UCO, they both know how to win, and they're both coming they out do. of the top four. So uh, uh, that's that's impressive. So six for, yeah, six versus seven, I like it. Who do you think is going to take it at the end? Well, I'm thinking previous years, you could look at both of these teams, look at their records, look at their seasons, and you'd think, man, either one of these teams looks like someone that should be ranked in the top three of the tournament. And I think just that speaks to how good the hockey has been in the ACHA this season, how competitive it's been, that you have teams like the Broncos and Adrian, the Bulldogs, that are not you know, at that super high ranking and can still compete. Um, I think we already established Adrian has some of the highest and most potent offense in the league. Meanwhile, the Broncos sport the best goals against average between the pipes in the whole league with Benjamin Kelsch. And we got to see Kelsch in Arizona State, and he was certainly a rock between the pipes for Central Oklahoma. And he's going to need to be a rock 
for them if they want to put up any sort of uh, title aspirations against Adrian. Adrian's coming in with the pedigree, the history, the defending champions. I mean, you name it, Adrian has everything going their way. And I think with my objective hat on, while still understanding the podcast I'm on, (laughs) I think Central Oklahoma has what it takes to pull off that upset against Adrian. I think Adrian will have a little too much of an ego, a little expecting it to be a little too easy of a matchup, uh, given the teams that they had just come out of the way in the quarters and the semis to beat. And so I think that Kalsh is going to put on a display between the Nets for UCO, give them a chance to win. And then I think that UCO offense is going to do what it needs to do to secure the win and bring home another national championship. Hold, hold, hold on. I'm going to tune in. Uh, I'm going to go, let's go live now to Edmond, Oklahoma after hearing Nile. Oh yeah. Oh, they like that. They really did. Yeah. See, there's, there's a state I can go to. <laughs> You're, I think you'll, you won't have to pay for uh, any meals for a while up there in Edmond. If that comes to, that comes to pass. All right. So central Oklahoma, you say will uh, take the national championship They'll uh, d- beat the defending national champion, uh, Adrian, in the final contest on Tuesday, March the 15th. I like that. I like, you know what? When, when I was growing up uh, in boxing, this was before MMA took off. Uh, my, me and my dad, we both loved to watch uh, boxing. And uh, we always said, if you, you want to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And uh, that's, uh, you, you've laid out that scenario perfectly here with UCO taking out uh, the defending national champion, Adrian Bulldogs. I like it. Yep, I couldn't agree more. You gotta you gotta show up when when you need to, and I think UCL has uh, what it takes to do that. Wow, very very nice. All right, well, um, let's see here. The national championships they get going on Thursday. That's March the tenth. They'll be available. They're not going to be available on free TV or anything. You have to pay for it. It's going to be on My Hockey TV. Um, actually, it's not My Hockey TV. It's just called Hockey TV. Um, and the, it's a pay-per-view thing, but the nice thing is you get a chance to not only see all 19 men's division one games, you'll get to see all the other games from all the other divisions. I think that amounts to 106 total games you can possibly watch for the low, low price of only $25. And, um, or you can just follow it along, follow the game results along on Twitter at ACHA men's D one. I think I might know the person who's going to be running that Twitter account for the next week or so. And uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in, if you think that Niles' picks are on the money, or if you think uh, he's he's got some uh, he he's picked something wrong somewhere along the way, we have a Google contest. A friend of the podcast has put together a Google contest where you can select uh, your winners. And uh, we've put that uh, the link to that contest out on both the ACHA Men's D1 Twitter. It's also out on the Western Collegiate Hockey League Twitter and the WCHL Podcast Twitter. And uh, who knows, if you're one of the top three or four, uh, if, you, if you pick right and you're in the top three or four, you might just win the whole shebang. You might get a prize. How about that? Unfortunately, Ooh. Niall, I don't have any prizes. Your door prize is you get to talk to me here on a Friday afternoon. So, hey, that's I couldn't think of a uh, better prize. Sounds like a booby prize to me. I, I can think of a <laughs> lot lot more things I'd rather be doing than talking to some dumb commissioner on the on a podcast. But 
that being said, Niall, I do appreciate your time very much. I appreciate your prognostications. I know the folks in Edmond love you, while the folks in Springfield in St. Louis, they may not appreciate you. You are now probably second in, uh, in the running for the mayor of Edmond now. I'm sure they'll love you up there. Um, and uh, so, yeah, if, if things don't work out at Arizona State or in the state of Arizona, you probably have a second home up there in uh, north-central Oklahoma, up there in Edmond, Oklahoma. They might, let, they might take you in now that you've uh, predicted, especially if it comes to pass. Wow. Well, I'll, uh, I think I might have to get a, a new wardrobe if, uh, if that comes to pass because I think the atmosphere and climate's just a little bit different in Oklahoma than it is down here in Arizona. <laughs> well, yeah, you might have to. Uh, yeah, there's no, it's not all flip-flops and shorts. <laughs> uh, uh, you just, uh, you just called out what I was wearing. So I guess, uh, I'll be arranging a trip there if, uh, if my picks come to pass. There you go. There you go. Well, wonderful. Well, Niall, stick around and, uh, don't, don't hang up the phone just yet. I'm going to, uh, hit a button and we'll get out of here. But Niall, again, I appreciate your time. Thank you for all that you do for, uh, the ACHA for Arizona State Hockey in particular. I hope that your partner, Brett Vaughn, is doing well. Um, hope maybe you'll get him an apple box next year so that you know he can stand on it and maybe be at your height. Um, who knows? I don't want him to hit his head on one of the pipes there at Oceanside either, so uh, maybe a mini apple box. Uh, but again, uh, I appreciate all that you do. It's always a pleasure to tune into the YouTube broadcast from ASU because we know that what we're going to get. We know that we're going to get a solid, top-notch broadcast and I um, appreciate you putting up with me and coming back on the WCHL podcast. I look forward to maybe having you on, uh, you know, well, to, to start the season next year when we can brag about uh, how good you did on these prognostications. I would, I would certainly love that. And thank you very much, Chris, for, uh, for having me on. All right. Hang on there. And uh, thanks to all for listening to the WCHL podcast. Well, here I hit the wrong damn button and I'm, I muted myself. Thanks to everybody for listening to the WCHL podcast, as suboptimal as it is. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, soon. Thanks. Thanks.